This is Sarah's O'Reilly Auto Parts story. Driving cross-country with two young children is ambitious, to say the least. Then our check engine light came on. We pulled into O'Reilly Auto Parts and they tested it. Turned out it was a faulty sensor. They referred us to a great mechanic just down the street and we were back on the road in no time. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Welcome to Fear It Goes, the podcast all about taking your fears with you and doing it anyway. I'm your host, Brandi Taylor. Hello, beautiful souls, and welcome back to Fear It Goes. Today's episode, we are talking to the infamous, most amazing, yes, I'm pumping her up, Susan Dedelik. She is a mediator a divorce mediator, and absolutely spectacular. And I'm very excited to bring you this episode because we're going to talk about all the pitfalls that go into when we can't reconcile a relationship, how to go into a divorce in a healthy way, how to separate the relationship both financially and emotionally in the most healthy ways. One in two people or one in two marriages fail. There are many reasons for that, and we can discuss some of that today. But when they do, what do we do so that we don't hold on to all of the resentments or anger or fear, or there's a lot of fear in divorce? How do we go about doing this in a way that's ultimately in the end going to benefit everyone? Because really, it shouldn't be about people losing. It should be about people moving forward and moving through things that are not the easiest but they can be healthy. So without further ado, I am so excited to bring you Susan. Yay! Welcome, Susan. Thank you so much for being a part of Fear It Goes and coming on board to have this lovely discussion around how to mitigate divorce and separation in the most healthy ways possible. Thank you for joining us, Susan. Thank you so much for having me. We are going to talk about some of the healthiest ways we can move into um, settlements and move through divorce that is, it's a difficult time and it's a fearful time. And there's a lot that goes on with the separation of partners and families. And I know personally from uh, personal experience that this was, I mean, for us, it was pretty clean. Um, but it was still, there's still moments in it and there was still a lot of fear in it, not knowing what this was going to look like on the other side, not knowing what this was going to look like financially and taking responsibility of finances. And that was, that's pretty scary when you're not used to doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then just the whole concept around kids and how they play into this too. Oh, so much fun. A separation, splitting of lives can be, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I think it, it is it is definitely fearful for most people. Um, most people sort of come into um, a separation without having done it before and without having any sense of what it is going to look like, what it's going to feel like, how they're going to navigate it. Um, and on top of 
not having experienced it before, they come in with their own preconceived notions about what it's supposed to look like or what it has looked like, you know, for people that they know and um, right. all these, all these different stories sort of form this idea of, of what it could potentially be like. And it's usually pretty negative stuff that they're carrying with them. Well, it's interesting because there was about three of us that all went through separation and divorce at about the same time. And theirs looked extremely different than mine did. Mm-hmm. Um, my ex and I were very willing to come in mostly with very open minds and and mostly <laughs> with the feeling of I don't want to I don't want to kill you. <laughs> right. You know, I don't hate you. So we we were pretty good with our structuring and um, I, I guess okay. So let's start with we talked about preconceived ideas with divorces. So what are some of the biggest preconceived ideas that people come in with when they first see you and they have no idea what this is going to be like? And let's say there's, uh, there's a fair amount of money or debt on the line. Mm-hmm. I think that people are very fearful when it, when it comes to money um, in particular because they know that their lives are going to change pretty dramatically through a separation. So you know, any, any couple um, that needs to divide their assets and needs to divide their, their debt is, is going to have a significantly different outcome post-separation than they do during the marriage um, right. in terms of financial stability and potentially income. Um, so there's a lot to unpack there and to work through. Um, and that's definitely probably a limiter as to why sometimes people will stay together when it's absolutely. not healthy to mm-hmm, stay together mm-hmm, mm-hmm, because of the fear around it. But um, it's, it's, it, it's hard because um, you know, it's such a, it's such a big change. It's such a dramatic shift in the way that you think about things. And when you're approaching it from a place of, of fear, um, there's a sense of wanting to protect uh, you know, what you, what you think you deserve or what you think should be yours. Um, and really it, it needs to be a conversation about what's what's the best way for everybody to move forward. You know, how do we move this family from one home into two homes? And often money is, is a big part of that discussion. Right. Just thinking when we were talking about um, limiters and why people wouldn't um, just, I just want to address this here, even though this, well, this is related. Um, but just the concept around we stay because we're afraid of making that shift. Cause it's, I mean, no one can deny that's a huge transition. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. a really big event in your life, a divorce or a marriage, a joining mm-hmm. or a separating of, of partners of lives. Um, but the reason people stay and what it does. So I looked very much from this space when my ex and I were splitting is I didn't want my kids to grow up believing that this was what a relationship should look like. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to set this as their standard and their norm for healthy relationships moving forward into their adult life. Yeah. And that to me was a much bigger deterrent or a much bigger factor as to why to move forward. A motivating not, factor. Yes. Mm-hmm. Than to not move forward because of fear of separating assets or, um, 
things like that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I think that, you know, everybody has their own sort of limiting factors or reasons why they might stay. And for some people, it might be money. And especially if you're in a, in a partnership where you are not the main breadwinner, you know, um, or you haven't worked a significant amount, sometimes for many, many years, it can be very overwhelming to think about the possibility of being financially independent from, from somebody else. But um, that, that doesn't mean that the conversation doesn't have to happen and that there needs to be, you know, a a plan. Um, What do you mean? I can't avoid that. (laughs) I can't avoid that. I can just, I can't just stuff that down in a little box over here. Yeah. So, but, and for other people, it's, it's more about the fear around the kids or around sort of letting go for lack of a better phrase, um, you know, of, of having their kids sort of around and in their homes full time, because that's, not generally what happens as an outcome of a separation, you know? Right. Um, that's actually something too that I, I know that's not really what you address, but I want to address here is um, how, how we work through divorce with kids. So from a financial standpoint, obviously there's responsibilities between the two parents and child support and things like that. And an um, equalization between two houses. Mm-hmm. However, um, I will never forget the transition period it took for the boys when we split and they were going back and forth between the houses and trying to figure out what was going to work for us. Was it one week, two weeks, a few days, like the, the agreements that come into play and the separation agreement um, and what's going to work best for them, not what's going to work best for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really interesting because there was a good it was probably a good six to eight month transition of just really upset, really trying to, for them, really trying to understand these new settings and these new parameters for themselves. And it's heartbreaking as a parent. There's many things we can do to help them through these transitions. And obviously, um, having a counselor or a therapist uh, or a family counselor even in this situation would help. Um, but being open to talking and just giving them lots of support and how unbelievably important that is to put your own bullshit feelings aside, Mm -hmm. regardless of what you're experiencing with your spouse or ex-spouse and really be able to be there for them. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you touch on something else that's really important in there. And, you know, it, what works for one family isn't going to work for another family. There is True. no one Patrick solution. <laughs> there's, there's no, you know, so many people sort of approach um, mediation with this idea that they want 50-50. You know, I hear that all the time. I want 50-50. I want it to be equal. Um, but that's not necessarily week on, week off for everybody. You know, sometimes that's that's what couples end up agreeing to or what they agree to to try. Um, but there's no cookie cutter sort of mold that works best. Every child is different. Every couple is different. You know, you need to take into account their personality types and your personality types and their schedules and your schedules. And how can we really maximize the, the good quality time that they are spending with each of you? That's really the goal, I think. I totally agree. Quality over quantity for sure. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the experience that we give them 
regardless of which home they're in. Mm-hmm. And that's not always so easy. <laughs> to <voice. laughs> yeah. And the other piece is that lots of, lots of parents agree to, you know, try something or they have an idea in their head about what they think they want to do. And I say, yep. well, try it. And if it doesn't work, then acknowledge that. And let's talk about some different possible options. You know, some kids don't transition really well at the beginning of the week or at the end of the week or right. in the mornings or in the evenings. Um, some kids need to have that like check in with the other parents on a more regular basis than others. It just every every situation and every family is so different. And so that's why mediation is so helpful, you know, um, in terms of being able to explore that in detail. And being open to the fact that the separation agreement today may not be what it mm-hmm. looks like tomorrow. Absolutely. Yeah. What works for your family now probably is in all likelihood, not what you're going to be doing in five years from now or 10 years from now. So you have to leave room for the possibility that, that things will need to be adjusted. Right. Right. Um, so I've, I'm sure a lot of people ask why, why a mediator over a lawyer or why a lawyer over a mediator? Because the functionality of both roles is quite different. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think you need both. <laughs> if, if at all possible, if at all, pos- uh, if at all possible, I think that people need to make as many decisions as they can for their own family with the help of a mediator. Um, the mediator really can just help keep the conversation on track, make sure that you're addressing all the pieces that need to be addressed. Um, that your lawyers are probably going to ask about when they are putting it into any sort of final agreement. Um, But they can also help you sort of explore options, you know, discuss um, different possible scenarios um, and really help understand what's important to each of you and what the, what the goals um, of mediation are sort of big picture for each of you. Well, one of the big differences too would also be that mediation typically has both of you in the session, correct? In yeah, comparison yeah, to lawyers, yeah. which are yeah. independent. Yeah. Right. Right. Which so, and you you can do lawyer assisted mediation. You can have lawyers as part of the mediation process, or you could choose to do that on on your own without your lawyers present. Um, some people need the support of of their lawyer um, in order to sort of make the process productive and useful. Um, Sometimes couples aren't able to sort of keep it on track without that extra support, um, which is fine. And it's still better than, in my opinion, it's still better than the lawyers going back and forth and making those decisions. Um, But either way, I think that you need to have, you know, your independent counsel, uh, whether you are sort of using them outside of the process or inside the process, or um, maybe a combination of both. It's it's really important that you understand what your what your legal rights and and obligations are coming into the mediation process. Right. I think that was something that was really good. Is you had kind of prepared me in a lot of ways. So <laughs> Susan was my mediator. <laughs> Yay! Thank goodness. <laughs> um, but you prepared me for a lot of things that I needed to kind of discuss with my lawyer once we mm-hmm. sat down. And she she advised certain things that I didn't want. So um, I was already prepared for those discussions right. because you and right. I discussed it. Otherwise, mm-hmm. I would have been like, oh, well, maybe that is the way or or because lawyers are on your side. 
Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's, there's nothing wrong with that, but there is mm-hmm. something to be said about an impartial stand um, between the two parties that are separating, right? right? Mm-hmm. And that was lovely about being in mediation is you have this impartial viewpoint coming in and discussing options and things that are going to come up so that all parties are aware and no one's blindsided by, oh, and by the way, the whole time right. you were home with the kids, you are entitled you're entitled to, you know, uh, reimbursement for that mm-hmm. time that you weren't working. And I, I knew that I didn't want to take that. And my lawyer was like, are you sure you don't want to do that? You really should do that. And, and I went, no, I really don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as it relates to, you know, ongoing social support or social support discussions in general, every situation is so incredibly Different. unique and yeah. different and there are so many factors um that it's it's very hard to um to negotiate as as a mediator when people come in without that legal advice without understanding sort of the law around spousal support and what the what the um what the goalposts are you know because there's a wide range of things that could happen if you end up you know in court or asking a, a third party to make a decision on your behalf but right. even just understanding what those goalposts are can be really important in part of the negotiation process. Well, and definitely for preparatory reasons, for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For yeah. sure. Um, okay, so I'm sure you've had some very interesting cases come through your door. Um, what do you see as one of the biggest challenges people face when they come in and see you? Is it just that trying to get on the same page? Is it um, like what are what are some of the bigger challenges and what are some of the best ways for us to prepare ourselves so we can come into this from a healthy position right i think that um i think it's really important that both parties are in the in the right headspace to sort of begin these negotiations um because when you know when when a couple is separating there's typically one person that's that's pretty far ahead in the process. The one right? that said, I'm done. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the other partner is sort of left sort of playing catch up. And sometimes the other partner has been there for a number of years and, and um, their spouse has no idea and truly is blindsided. And so they're going to be in completely different headspaces as they approach mediation. Um, and so, so I think ensuring that, that both, parties really are um, in, a, in a place where they are able to focus on the future and sort of what's next as opposed to, um, you know, one person negotiating, hoping that there's still, you know, a chance for reconciliation or somebody negotiating just from a really heavy place of guilt or, um, or being hurt or, you know, all of these really heavy emotions. I think it's important that, that, that they are working through those things with potentially a therapist so that they are in the right headspace to negotiate what their future looks like so that they're not making decisions from a place of such extreme emotion that are going to impact them for years and years to come and potentially their children too. Absolutely. Okay. So right headspace, very, very important. Mm -hmm. I would Mm -hmm. totally agree. Um, We were fortunate enough that we had had numerous discussions before we actually went in and saw you 
Mm -hmm. Um, So we were in a relatively good space. There were a few things that were Mm -hmm. hiccups, but Mm -hmm. I mean, ultimately, like (laughs) in comparison, (laughs) speaking of heavy emotions and guilt and, and, and um, I, I have two of my very, very close friends. One is in heavy guilt. So pretty well has given his ex-wife, whatever, whatever they want, which is disastrous. And then the other one um, went through such a tough time with the divorce, complete devastation. So Mm -hmm. um, went through a period of depression, which she used against him. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm so surprised. Yeah. I'm so surprised that the courts allow that to be like a tool. Cause at one point she, like she kept the kids from him completely. I don't even know how that's possible. Yeah. Well, I mean, our, our system is, is fairly broken. Um, you know, courts aren't, aren't meant to, to decide family disputes really, you know, and it's just very hard to access sort of timely intervention when there are such extreme emotions and, and, um, and it's, it's really one of the most difficult um, situations when the children particularly are being used as um, Pawns. A, a way to make the other parent pay, you know, for a perceived wrongdoing, um, regardless of the circumstances, you know, of a, of a separation that is, that is adult stuff, you know, and should never impact. Um, we should be bringing the kids into it. Yeah. Parents ability to, to, to continue to parent and to be involved in their lives. Um, you know, obviously, if there's safety concerns or you know issues like that, that's a that's a different conversation and a different issue. You know, where children absolutely need to be protected. But yeah. um, when we're talking adult stuff versus things that the children um, shouldn't be involved in, it's it's really difficult. Um, just on that note, have you experienced a lot of? Have you experienced a lot? Okay, so actually, it just leads me back to the what is <laughs> what is the course you have to take to get divorced? You have to have this oh, course, the parenting after separation seminar. Yes, yeah, <laughs> I have a name for this. It's but we're not going to say that here. <laughs> <laughs> but it's an it's a very interesting course, and I do think it should be everyone should have to take this because mm-hmm, it puts, mm-hmm. puts everything into perspective around how we behave as adults with each mm-hmm. other and with our kids with each other mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and how we support each other or don't. Mm-hmm. And it's emotions are a funny thing when it comes to yeah. separating and divorce. Yeah. Yeah. A big part of that parenting after separation seminar is, you know, sort of, <laughs> well, there's many things, but, but one of the, you know, main sort of teachings is how to move your, your relationship, your marriage from a, you know, a a, a romantic relationship into, you know, now a co-parenting relationship and really working to disconnect those two things because they should be unrelated, you know, uh, at the end of the day, you're still parents, you're still going to co-parent and you need to move to this business-like relationship. Um, if you can't be, if you can't be friendly, you know, not everybody can, if you can, that's great power to you. Um, but if you can't, you need to at least 
be able to uh, handle parenting in a in a business like fashion um, for your children. I mean, they deserve that. <laughs> they do deserve that, and yeah. we want to we want to rear amazing people in the world, not mm-hmm. massively damaged people because we went through a period of damage ourselves mm-hmm. or a period mm-hmm. of what we felt was damaging. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And we do know that, that kids are resilient um, and they, they will be okay. They, you know, I'm a child of divorce. I know many children of divorce who are functioning, happy, well-adjusted uh, human beings, you know, Absolutely. Um, I am divorced. I think that my kids are happy, healthy, functioning little human beings. And um, I think that that has to be, that has to be the focus, you know, um, and kids are resilient. The, the greatest predictor of how kids will come out the other side of Um, their experience of divorce is the level of conflict that they are directly exposed to um, between the parents. So even if you are fighting, don't fight around the kids. Don't talk about it with the kids. Don't, you know. That's one of the things I find so insane is a conversation Mm -hmm. with your child about what's going on with your ex. Mm -hmm. Like, so one of my friends that's in this divorce that has been part of the reason why one of his children will not speak to him is the conversations mm-hmm. his ex is having with their daughter. Yeah. I just, yeah. I, can, I can't even fathom is, that. Is a, is a serious, serious thing. And it's, it's so heart-wrenching and sad. Yeah. I wonder. Okay, so you're dealing with kids who are in their teens, right? Mm-hmm. And what does that mean for them later on when they actually unpack that? Because mm-hmm. that is something mm-hmm. to unpack. Yeah, and, and it will happen. And, you know, kids are... Kids are smart, um, they're intuitive, um, and they will come to realize that that one parent, if, if this is happening, that one parent um, was the sort of driving force <laughs> between the, the, the damage of that relationship. relationship. Um, it's, it's only going to eventually hurt their relationship with the child. Um, but they're my friend. That's a weird yeah. thing too with parents is, I mean, as much as I love my boys and we are buddies sometimes, but there's other times I'm like, we are not equals. You right. are not like, yes, I love you, but I'm your parent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have a job mm-hmm. to do here. And my job is to make sure that you're the best human that can go out there, even with all of my own neuroses yeah. and with your own neuroses that I can send you out into the world in the most productive way. Mm-hmm. So how do we do that? And if I'm always your buddy and you're always my buddy, I'm not really parenting you at all. Right. I know this is totally right. off topic of divorce, <laughs> but, but I just find that really interesting just because, yeah. again, I shouldn't be confiding in you about my ex or in the yeah. midst of the divorce because you're my friend. No, That's never. not what you, you do to... with your kids in a divorce. No, no. And, and don't let them overhear it either. You know, talk, talk to your friends, talk to your therapist talk to whoever you need to, but make sure that your children are not part of it. Yeah. (laughs) Make sure they're not part of it. When people have been financially disconnected in the divorce or in the marriage. So let's say scenario goes, I have been supported by my husband or Mm -hmm. wife. 
whichever the case may be, right. um, through the whole marriage. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to function on my own. <laughs> right. Right. I can't even fathom what that would look like moving into a divorce, how unbelievably scary that would be, and then what to mm-hmm. do. What would you typically recommend <laughs> to someone well, who's I, coming into this from that space? Yeah. So I think that often, you know, in these types of situations, certainly starting off with some legal advice is a good idea. So understanding what the law says around these situations. And often there's going to be um, an entitlement to ongoing spousal support. So the goal of spousal support is that one person shouldn't be significantly financially disadvantaged by a separation or a divorce, regardless of, you know, who made the decision to separate or why you're separating. Um, the point is that there shouldn't be a significant financial disadvantage to one spouse. Um, and so, um, understanding what the law says around spousal support is important, but also knowing that there is um, is an expectation of a move towards financial independence. And that is, you know, that is the eventual goal, assuming that you are, you know, young enough that you can look at, okay, if I am responsible for my own financial well-being on a go-forward basis or after X number of years, what does that look like for me? And so, Often you have to go back to what, 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 how do I want to um, earn my own income, right? Uh, is there retraining? Do I need to, is there re-education required? Um, am, am, I, am I already educated? You know, is it a matter of finding a job and re-entering the workforce? You know, all of those, all of those um, questions. Um, but it, these can also be impacted by kids you know are there young kids at home what's the expectation what was the what was the agreement between the spouses you know was it that one person is going to be at home while the kids are young or until they are you know in in school full-time or in high school or you know different different couples have different um agreements uh, different agreements about what that might look like yeah um and sometimes you're able to sort of continue those agreements if there is enough if there is enough um, financial support. Um, support or income, if there's enough income, you know, even through a separation, maybe that maybe that continues. Um, but um, yeah, I guess those are all. There's still that sort of question of okay, but what happens eventually? You know, because the goal is a, a move towards financial yes. independence eventually. Um, Yeah. So understanding the law is important. Taking some time to think about, you know, what now, you know, now that the future doesn't look like potentially what you thought it was going to look like. um, Do you have enough assets, income, you know, to sort of um, maintain a standard of living that, that you're okay with, or do you need to increase your income in order to, in order to do that? Okay. So I have a question too. So I always wondered this and maybe this is American, maybe this is Canadian, maybe it's all, I don't know. What is the difference between, okay, so we have child support. That's one layer, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. child support is just what it is. Yeah. And there's spousal support, which is not legally binding, right? It's an agreement, but it's an agreement that you don't have to pay spousal support. Is that correct? Well, if you're ordered to pay spousal support, you do. <laughs> so, ah, interesting. So, yeah. So, um, 
it, it is legally binding as long as it's put into a court order um, or into a, a legal separation agreement. Okay. Um, it becomes a legally binding agreement. The difference, I think, maybe what you're what you're alluding trying, to, <laughs> maybe what you're <laughs> alluding to is the fact that there are child support guidelines that are you know very clear that are mandatory. Yeah, that are set up by the government based on your income, based on how many children you have. It's a table. Uh, it's very easy to find what your child support obligation would be. Spousal support, you know, there are guidelines, but there's no hard and fast rules about how much or how long or whether there is entitlement. I mean, there's certainly, there are guidelines. That's, that's what it is. And so it, every situation, again, is different. And what's alimony? Alimony is is equivalent to civil support. I think okay. that term is more used in the states. That's what I was wondering because I've yeah. I've heard like alimony payments, and I'm like, what is that? Is that spousal support? I don't know. Yes, yeah. Um, okay, so that's good. I needed clarification. I'm sure some of you out there probably have heard these things too. So you needed clarification <laughs> too. <laughs> yeah, um, and if you if you haven't been there before, you don't know. True. True. And okay, yeah. so standard mediation. Yeah. I'm coming in. I, I, I only have my own to reference. So mm-hmm. I look at mine and I'm like, it was pretty clean cut. We came up with the separation agreement really, really fast. Um, we only needed to talk about a couple things and then the rest of it was pretty cut and dry. I'm, I, I'm guessing we're not the norm. You know, it, you're, you're, probably the norm for my clients. You know, most of my clients oh, so are, nice. <laughs> are, are very amicable. Um, you know, I always say if you've, if you've made it into my office, then, you know, that indicates a strong willingness to work together. Um, especially if you've made it into my office without lawyers, you know, that that's indicative of sort of how the outcome is going to go. Um, but I know that there are lots of couples that that is, that is not the norm. And there's um, lots, of, lots of family law lawyers that are working very hard out there because there are lots of couples that, that aren't doing it that way. Um, and not all mediations are, you know, cut and dry and easy. Um, they're all very, very different. And, you know, depending on what, again, going back to that sort of what headspace people are in, sometimes people are able to move through the process very efficiently and quickly. Um, and sometimes it's a longer process that is, you know, that requires many more meetings, um, depending on the assets that need to be uh, valued or divided, um, depending on the level of disclosure. So how easily or freely information is moving between the parties, you know, if there's a Mediation is based on on full and frank disclosure, um, first of all. So if one party is feeling like they are not receiving the information that they need to in order to make good decisions about how to move forward, then that might not A, be the right process, or some of that might need to be done through the lawyers before they can come back to really uh, get into the details of it. Because this disclosure is mandatory law. Yes. Mm Yes. Just thinking about other people and situations that I know of, some that are mm-hmm. so long and drawn out. Mm-hmm. So obviously, first and foremost, headspace and how you move into it is beneficial. What would you say? Like, I think with my ex and I, we spoke a lot before we ever came and saw you. 
and mm -hmm. we were pretty open and we knew that there was issues with us. Right. So we moved into this with a pretty, I mean, it wasn't easy, but we moved into this with a pretty open mind and put like our first and foremost thought was we put the kids first, mm -hmm. we put ourselves aside and the kids come first. So most of our decisions were based from that space. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm trying to think, I think we came and saw you about three, four months after we decided we were splitting. Um, mm -hmm. Is that pretty normal? Or would yep. you say that most people are like longer than that? Or like, I know I'm asking for some timelines here and yeah, that no. probably varies I've from person to person. It does. It certainly varies. You know, I've had couples that have come in that have been separated for five years and they just haven't made any official decisions, you know. Um, and that's not a problem when it comes to, because I know like the agreement, the separation agreement mm -hmm, is like mm -hmm. there to protect all parties. Right. Yeah. So they just wouldn't have had an agreement. So <laughs> it, it, it can muddy the waters potentially as you move through trying to figure out what a, what a go forward agreement would look like. I don't recommend waiting five years, certainly. Um, but I would say a couple months is usually a pretty standard time frame between when people decide to separate. You know, they 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 generally take a couple months to sort of get their get their head on straight and and grieve a little bit and then it's time to make some decisions. You know, often during that couple months people are still in the same house and they're just yeah. you know trying to figure out okay, who's who's staying? Can one of us stay? Do we have to sell the house? What you know, and as they start to discuss these different options, you know, it becomes apparent that maybe they need some help. A third party. Yeah. yeah. Because that's, that's so often what goes on in our own headspace. I'm smart. I can figure this out on my own. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't need marriage counseling. I can figure this out on my own. Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. Uh, yeah. And sometimes people come into mediation with a, you know, with a, with a sense about how they want to move forward, you know, or they have an idea about how they want to divide their assets, but it's really figuring out, is it, is this really plausible? And, um, you know, can we, can we make this work um, from a financial perspective? Would you say that's the biggest part of mediation is really the finance? Um, I would say, I would say probably the kids um, and the finances are probably fairly equal. Um, it just depends on on how detailed people need or want to be with their parenting plans. Um, sometimes parents are are fully able and capable and want to just sort of negotiate that on an ongoing basis between them. You know, they can they can figure out how to handle summer holidays or they can figure out you know how to share long weekends. And some parents need a very detailed plan about what next year looks like. And I think that goes back to um, that that conflict piece right if it's going to create conflict in the future then we want to address it in mediation so we want to reduce the potential for for any ongoing conflict as much as possible to allow parents to then really focus on just parenting being good parents that's it's funny i totally forgot about the parent plan completely forgot about that so let's talk about <laughs> that a little bit because there's the separation agreement which is it's really assets, it's spousal support, it's child support. Um, it was, I'm just trying to think all the things that were in there. Is the parent plan part of that or is it a separate yep. agreement? I can't remember. No, 
it, it would it would typically be part of the separation um, agreement. Um, it's just a it's just a matter of how detailed it is. It can be you know very detailed for some and can be fairly open. Um, the main pieces that I think need to be addressed in the separation agreement is uh, who's making major decisions for the kids. So whether you have joint custody versus sole custody, that's you know about decision making more than it is about where the kids are living. Um, and then we have the the actual parenting plan. So who's parenting the children when? Right. So yeah. like 50, and, 50 and it or can be, whatever. Yeah, it, it can be, you know, that the kids primarily reside with one parent or they, you know, primarily reside with, with both parents on a schedule, you know, to be determined between them or in a schedule that looks like A, B, C, and D. It just depends how, how specific um, couples want to get. And I've heard some really interesting ideas too around like the home that the kids are in. So sometimes the the primary home will be where the kids stay and the mm -hmm. parents will go back and forth. Mm -hmm. Nesting. Yeah. It's very interesting. Yeah. I, I, we don't Bird do that. Nesting. Yeah. Yeah. But for um, some, it functions really well. Yeah. Lots of, um, I wouldn't say lots. Many couples do that sort of initially um, because they don't know who's going to live in the house or can they buy, you know, can one of them buy the other one out or do they need to sell it? And so sometimes just to get into two separate homes, but to not disrupt the, the children's routine um, as much, they will take turns sort of coming into the house where the children are living. And then on their non-parenting time, they will go somewhere else. So sometimes that works well if they're, if, you know, if they have a place to go on their off weeks, but it's not, um, sustainable long-term generally, you know, it's very hard to live out of two homes, but on the flip side, I think it gives parents an idea of what their kids' lives are potentially going to be like. And so, um, you know, it just maybe is a good, a good exercise in how to make it easier for your kids um, as they move forward, you know, to this transitioning, whether it's, you know, just on, on alternate weekends or whether it's five, six, seven days every two weeks, you know, it doesn't really matter. Transitions are transitions. Something we're discovering right now. Um, so the kids are open to call either of us anytime when we're mm -hmm. not with each other or with, if I don't have the kids, they talk, or I mean, if I have the kids, often they talk to their dad or whatever. And we sometimes set up like, uh, we've talked about like date night. So mm -hmm. one of the parents will take one of the kids or, mm -hmm. um, or the, it, sometimes, I don't know, like we'll have two weeks once in a while, typically we're week, week, but, um, we'll have two weeks sometimes. And then one of those days I will come pick up the kids for lunch because I miss them and I want to see them yeah. or whatever. And the agreements are pretty fluid. Like we're pretty good that way. Yeah. Um, and i I find that's a lot easier for the kids to adjust. Mm -hmm. A lot easier for the kids to adjust when they have access to both parents at whenever they want. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And I think, um, you know, one thing that happens when, when a family moves into two households, you know, when you're, when you're in one home, there's often that sort of built in one-on-one -on -one time with kids just because, you know, somebody has an extracurricular activity somewhere. And so one of the parents takes them and then the other parent is, maybe at home with yeah. the other kids or, you know, it, it just tends to be more built into that day-to-day -day life. 
um, where when you're parenting um, in in separate homes, often the kids are sort of a, a joint unit that are sort of moving around to whatever right. activities or whichever house. And so I think that any opportunity that you have to build in some of that one-on-one -on -one time is is really, really important for the kids. I totally agree. Like, I can't say how incredible it is to have the opportunity to just spend time with one. Because first mm -hmm. of all, they fight all the time. They're boys <laughs> and they're close in age. But Oh, I have those. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know my pain. <laughs> but it's amazing because they're just such different people when they're by themselves. And you're like, mm -hmm. wow, you're so lovely. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I like you. <laughs> I like you. You're a good, you're a good little person. Yeah, can yeah. we do this more often? Yes. <laughs> yeah. There's something to be said about having those moments um, instead of the always together. And that's mm -hmm. great if you can find that with your ex when there's two or three or whatever, but mm -hmm. just to be able to arrange those moments because uh, they Absolutely. are so important. I just think so often around why people get divorced to begin with and it's communication breakdown. It's mm -hmm. There's many factors that come into play growth. Mm -hmm. um, I think sometimes it's just a matter of two people growing in different directions. You know, as Absolutely. we get older and we discover more about who we are or we dig into who we are, we realize that uh, we just aren't aligned anymore. Yeah, absolutely. And instead of being upset with, and this is where I, I got to, um, Instead of looking at people from a, oh, you're bad or you're not this or, um, or you're not this for me, it was more of an alignment of this is who I am and this is who you are. And we are very, very, it's not even about being different people. It's just a, like just on different paths and right. just acknowledging that, that two good people can be on different paths and it's okay mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that you don't Absolutely. have to. Absolutely. Yeah. And, yeah. There's such a, there's, there's so many feelings, you know, around divorce, you know, that shame and blame and guilt and all of those things. And, you know, the truth is that, that we're never, we're never inside anybody else's relationship. We don't, we don't have any idea what that might look like. And um, just being able to acknowledge, as you said, that, that there is a misalignment and for whatever reason, um, there are, there are now different paths and that's, that's okay. It's okay. Mm -hmm. I, it's funny that you say that about shame and, and guilt, because one of the first things I'll never forget this, this is before I went through big growth period with myself and a lot of understanding of me, because mm -hmm. I wasn't willing to do that earlier on. Um, but when I did that and I, I went, I should feel, I should feel um, grateful that he doesn't hit me, that he isn't abusive, that so mm -hmm. I should just be happy. What's wrong mm -hmm. with me? Right. What's wrong with me? Nothing's wrong with me. We're just not like we are moving in very different directions and mm -hmm. can't seem to find our common ground. And mm -hmm. sometimes, sometimes we're fortunate enough and, and counseling will help us get back on track because it may just be a communication breakdown. It may just be that that's something we needed help with because, again, I don't go to my mechanic for my teeth to get done or right. I don't assume that I could do my own dental work. 
other than brush my teeth and floss them, right? I know I can't do my own dental work. maintenance, yeah. Like, so whatever leads us to believe that we can manage all situations in relationships or changes in relationships, I don't know. It just seems so like such a juxtaposition in truth Mm -hmm. because it's very far from. Often we can't manage these things on our own and we do need some intervention. And Mm -hmm. often we do need that person that is impartial because as we were talking about the emotions and, and these thoughts and I should feel this way and I should, why am I, what's wrong Mm -hmm. with me? And it's Mm -hmm. none of these things. And the impartial comes in as such a benefit to helping us navigate these waters about whether or not we can reconcile, right? Whether or not we can find, um, find our way into the new norm. Mm-hmm. What is the new norm? Because we never go back to what was ever. Right. We change. Mm-hmm. We grow yeah. or not, but we, we are always moving. So we never go back there. But if we can't, then it's really great to have people that we can bring into the mix that can help us through these periods in ways that <laughs> set us straight when we're going askew. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I will never forget the conversation we had around my business at the time. And, um, and you were wonderful in that situation. And you just said, it's her business and she has every right to make these decisions in her business. And I went, thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Because I felt again, caught up in emotion and in our own patterns often. Mm-hmm. I felt I needed to validate. I felt I needed to fight for this. I felt I felt I didn't have the final decision in my own life. And mm-hmm. let me tell you how valuable that moment was to me made all the world of difference. That's awesome. Thank and you. that's but that's what mediation can do. It's the mm-hmm. impartial saying, "No, this is legitimate and that's completely fair and that's completely fine." Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just a validation on my part. It was just knowing that it's okay to have, to, to want to drive these things right. or to make these decisions myself or for him to make decisions himself that, yeah. that weren't yeah. with me intervening. It can be a very powerful process because you are in control. It's your decision. Um, nobody's going to tell you, you know, what you can or can't do. As long as you understand what you're doing and why you're doing it. Um, so again, with, uh, with the assistance of, of a lawyer saying, do you understand what you're doing? Do you understand the right. implications of what you're agreeing to? Um, as long as you have that, you, you can do what you want to do. You know, you get to control what your, um, what, what your separation or your divorce um, looks like in your future. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. And you don't have to be stuck in, um, the decisions of others because mm-hmm. it is your life. Yeah. It's the crazy parts of divorce is it's, it, you don't know what that looks like on the other side. And right. when you're coming from a space where one typically makes the decisions more than the other, um, 
and then you start empowering yourself with decisions, it's scary in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, can I do this? Am I allowed <laughs> to do this? Yeah. Should I do this? And oh my God, what if I do this and I do it wrong? Yeah. But it's there's always somebody in a relationship that just naturally sort of has taken on more of those decisions. Very, very rarely are people equal in terms of you know, their understanding of their finances or their understanding of how the household budget is run. I mean, that's just not realistic, right? That generally falls to one person. So somebody else is always playing catch up and it could be either partner, you know, um, there's no hard and fast rules about that. Totally true. Yeah. So it's a, it's a, it's a learning and a growing and a evolving for sure. Mm, the joys of separation. <laughs> But there can be joys. But it's not all bad. Exactly. No, there can be joys. Often the mediation process and that, that period of time where you're determining what your, what your future looks like, what your parenting schedule looks like, how you're going to divide your assets, where you're going to live, all of that stuff. I mean, that's the thick of it. That's really the thick of it. And, um, we're just trying to help get you to the other side you know, so that you can exhale and then decide what's next for me. It's funny that you say that. It does feel like you're holding your breath. Mm -hmm. It does feel like finally in the end, you're like, I can breathe. I can breathe. Like, Mm -hmm. and it is the heaviest parts. The heaviest parts are the early stages of the separation. The latter Mm -hmm. parts, um, provided both parties have moved into a healthier emotional mm-hmm. standpoint. And honestly, right. if you're in the midst of a divorce that's really emotionally charged, highly recommend seeing someone. Highly, highly recommend seeing someone and doing some inner work because this is so crucial to us being good people out in the world. Absolutely. If I'm always looking at my spouse, which Oh my goodness. I did this for a long time, but you, but you, but you, but you, mm-hmm. I didn't want to look at me. I didn't mm-hmm. want to look at me and I didn't want to look at the things that I was doing or be responsible for the things that I was doing in that relationship and the demise of that relationship either. Yeah. It was very easy to blame. Um, but I'm telling you, owning those things in a healthy way, not in a destructive way where there's guilt and shame wrapped around it, but in a healthy way made the world of difference in what I do now. Yeah. Absolutely. And the freedom that you experience and the freedom you give other people to experience. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Divorce doesn't have to be horrible. <laughs> no, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. Um, I was, I was talking with my, my 15 year old yesterday and uh, I said, you know, what, what do you think? How, how would you explain divorce? You know, do you think it always has to be, a negative thing. And he said, no, you know, it's just, it's just sort of perspective. Well, and looking at it from a kid's perspective too, I think I'm really grateful that the boys, yes, we separated, but the boys will look at us as two very happy people now instead of Mm -hmm. two very unhappy people together. Yeah. Yeah. Again, looking at the relationship from this is my normal and this is what this is what love looks like two people Mm -hmm. who fight all the time or two people who don't talk Mm -hmm. you know whatever whatever your scenario is but that becomes their normal and it's really beautiful to show them that you can empower things and do it in ways that benefit all parties 
and that the love is still there. It just right. looks different. Right. Yeah. And I think it doesn't even have to be, you know, uh, an experience of, you know, these are unhappy people and now, you know, these are happy people. It can just be an experience of, you know, this is me living in alignment with myself or this is right. me living my truth that wasn't serving me or that wasn't, you know, that True. wasn't right for me anymore. You know, it doesn't yeah. have to be a negative thing. It doesn't have to be yeah. something that you suffered through. It can just be something that was and now absolutely there's something else. So again, taking out some of that, you know, negative, negative emotion. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting. I think the boys are stronger, better people um, on the outside, like mm. on, on the outside of the divorce and than what they would have experienced had we stayed together. And I'm grateful for that. And yeah. really in the long run, all of us are grateful for that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So. Yeah. And, and kids are resilient. Adults are resilient. You know, we are all sort of meant to change and grow and, and morph <laughs> through our lives. Yes, we are. So. Change is not a bad thing. It can be an excellent <laughs> thing. It can be an excellent thing. Change becomes, I find change becomes a bad thing when we don't want it, when we mm -hmm. struggle and when resist, we resist it. it. Yeah. yeah. It's about the resistance of the change. The change is there. It's happening. You know, mm -hmm. it's a matter of whether or not we accept it and surrender to that change mm -hmm. or, <laughs> or fight it to the nail. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Are you going to be an active participant in, you know, designing your future or are you going to let it happen to you? You know, are you going to let other people tell you what it's going to look like? And that's, definitely a harder place I think <laughs> that's being be. cast down the river with no boat <laughs> and no words and just letting it take you wherever it goes mm -hmm. life doesn't have to be like that at all we can make mm -hmm. wonderful choices and they're not always easy but they're simple yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah and I think that you know sometimes people there, there's so much sort of heaviness around that you know that making the decision you know, yeah. around, okay, am I deciding to leave? Am I deciding that I'm going to ask for divorce? Am I deciding that the relationship is over? Um, and sometimes I think having some education around, you know, what, what could my life look like if I decided to leave? You know, just sort of yeah. taking some of that fear of the unknown out sometimes can just um, create some space you know, to then really focus on the, on, yeah. the, on the decision as opposed to, but what does it look like? But how does this impact me? You know, it, it somehow yeah. it, it shifts um, the ability. So to, 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 to decide. Um, so I think that information and knowledge is so powerful and just an understanding of, of what, what could be on that other side allows people so, and sometimes gives them the strength to make, to make that decision. Yeah. To take the leap. Cause it is, mm -hmm. it becomes a leap. I'll never forget mm -hmm. like what, <laughs> what ultimately did it for me. I was unhappy. I knew that. Um, and we got into a point where the relationship was just, we couldn't repair it. Um, and I woke up at five o'clock in the morning and I wrote in my journal, which I hadn't written in, in years, which was so bizarre, this particular journal, but 
I wrote in that journal and I wrote about the person I'd become and the person I didn't want to be and the person I did want to be and how I couldn't be there. I couldn't be that person in the space. I needed mm-hmm. to open the space. I had to. Something had to change. And for me, it was leaving. Mm-hmm. And it, that ultimately is, yes, it's scary because it's the unknown. But if we know that we're going to be okay, we have support systems, we have wonderful mediators who <laughs> who do some of the legwork for us <laughs> and help us out and are very wonderful impartials that can come in and guide us. We're not alone in the process. Makes a world of difference knowing mm-hmm. that you're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. Yeah, there's some growing yeah. pains. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What's that saying? Nobody ever died of divorce. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good saying. You won't die from divorce. You won't die from divorce. No. Yeah. Um, good the other the other one that I like is um, getting getting divorced sucks, but being divorced doesn't. True, true. And interesting thing about talking about opening up space. So I had a very weird incident with a dating experience. So break up with someone. It's it's tough. It's whatever. And then literally, like a little while later, I'm in an airplane on a date. Okay, so I'm, I'm on this sunrise, two-seater, he's a pilot, airplane ride. It's seven o'clock in the morning, the sun is coming up, or 6.30, I don't know what it was, it was really early. It was the most spectacular flight. And it hits me as I'm sitting in the airplane, and I've got this grin like a five-year-old kid, because I'm so excited to be in this plane. It's just so amazing, this experience. And we're flying over the mountains and in and out, and it's just so beautiful. And I think to myself, I wouldn't have been here. I wouldn't have experienced this. I wouldn't have, like, none of this would have existed had that space not opened up. Mm-hmm. Because I was holding myself in a lot of fear for a long, long time. Yeah. And then opening that space shifted it all. So the opportunities that sit on the other side can be mind-blowing when we open yeah. the space. So if that's... If that's something that we leave people with, with a notion around divorce, and you know that this is where you're at. I'm not saying everyone should get divorced because that's certainly not, <laughs> not oh, what I'm absolutely. saying. absolutely. Right. Not what I'm saying. Me either. <laughs> yeah, no. But when you are, when you're sure, like I knew, mm-hmm. I was, I was sure when we went mm-hmm. through um, uh, divorce counseling and it didn't get where it needed to go. Mm-hmm. I, we knew mm-hmm. then. Um, yeah. But when you're sure, just know that you're opening up space for something absolutely, potentially amazing to come in if you're willing to allow it, right? Yeah. And I think just to add on that, you know, when you say, when you know, Mm -hmm. sometimes there's one person that knows and the other person says, but I, but I don't know. I didn't make that decision, Yeah, you know? to be able to even then say, but maybe there's some space that's opening something else. If you're the one that didn't know, right. Because, because really, even if, even if you're the one that didn't know, you deserve to be with somebody that knows that they want to be with you. 
Yes. And that aligns with you because two people may not align well together. Doesn't like they could be great people, not together, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. each of them absolutely is worthy of a partner that lights them up inside mm -hmm. just as much as they light their partner up inside and right. they can co-create beautiful things in life together. And why would you not want that? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I agree. Alignment's an amazing thing <laughs> for me. And I can only speak for myself in this space. Um, but for me, it was a lot of, I'm blaming the external. I'm blaming everything outside of me, right? As soon as I did some work, I recognized everything's about me. <laughs> My life is presenting for me. So, um, oh yeah, it's about me. So what am I not looking at here? Because I'm looking at you. I'm not looking at me. As soon as you do that inner work, alignment becomes really easy. You know what you want. You know who you are. You know how to articulate these things. And you say no to the things that don't align. And then all of a sudden, well, it's not really all of a sudden, all these things start showing up that are aligned with you because mm -hmm. there's no mixed messages going out anymore. You just are right. you. And then things show up and you're like, wow, I had no idea this was even possible. Because people will say, well, you know, this is as good as it gets. Or, well, you know, we have to compromise and settle. Well, compromise, yes, life is sometimes compromising, but it's agreements. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And settling, I don't agree with that. I don't think we have to settle. I think we compromise because we say there's value here. But settling, no. And a marriage shouldn't be about settling. It's a partnership. I had the very coolest, and I, I'm going to end on this. Um, I had the coolest conversation with a friend of mine who is a little bit older. He's a doctor. And, uh, and we were talking about the agreements we have with our partners. And he said, there is a very good friend of his that every three years they reassess the relationship and determine whether or not they are still on the same path and whether mm -hmm. they want to continue every three years. So there's no taking things for granted. There's no assumptions that, oh, well, I can just, you know, slack off and who cares? None right. of that. It's like, I'm in because I'm in. Or, I, you know what? Nope. I'm, I, this I just doesn't feel right for me or whatever the case may be. And it's fascinating when you look at things from a perspective of um, entitlement. Okay, so I'm married. So now I'm entitled to this marriage. Doesn't matter what I do in it. I'm entitled to it. Or you look at it from the perspective of this is something that I am nurturing, working with, sometimes compromising. Um, but it's an agreement that's fluid and always moving. Mm -hmm. And I'm striving for something that's great and building something right. that's great and creating that, that, yeah, there's nothing taken for granted. I love that. I was like, that is the yeah. best agreement ever. <laughs> it's, so a, it's, a perspective, it's a perspective shift on the same idea. You know, it's, it's still a relationship. You're yes. just um, actively having a conversation and keeping, uh, presumably keeping the lines of communication open about is this something that I am still choosing, you know? Is this something I'm still choosing? Because every, like, 
if there's anything I've learned over these last few years, really, it's been around choice and how we have so many choices in a day and choosing not to choose is still a choice. Right. And choosing our partners, choosing the way that we have relationships. It's funny because I'm about to run a five-day challenge on how to improve your relationship. Um, and it's a choice on how we choose to look at the relationship, what we want from the relationship, where, where we value the relationship. I made an active choice to improve the relationship I have with my boys. And most of the times, I'm really proud of where we've gotten. Every once in a while, I'm human and I totally mess up. <laughs> but then I own it. And I, I own it. And I'm like, I totally screwed up here. You know, I brought this into the, I brought this garbage into this moment. And I'm sorry, it was, that's on me. Mm -hmm. yeah. But we choose this with all relationships and it doesn't matter if it's romantic or not. Absolutely. Nurture. What do we stick in our gardens, right? Mm -hmm. I'm just going to stick a bunch of, well, see, if I say I stick a bunch of poo in there, but <laughs> in a garden, that can be good. <laughs> Hopefully it's good poo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Susan, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for your wisdom and insights into the <sighs> uncharted waters of mm of leaving relationships and separating and what that can be like and how it doesn't have to be something so debilitating or so frightening mm -hmm. and that we do have lots of options regardless of whether we stay together or don't stay together. Right. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was fun and I enjoyed the conversation. Yeah. I love that you came on here. So I have to share this with them. So Susan's been asked many times to go and do stuff like this. And she said <laughs> no to everybody but us. Yay. <laughs> I'm so glad. It's because you're so easy to talk to, Brandy. It's just an easy conversation. <laughs> but that's the way it should be, right? So, that's the way it should be. Yeah, thank and you. Thank you for making it painless. I am so grateful because I'm positive there will be a lot of people that will gain value from this. So if you want to contact Susan, there's going to be notes in the, or there'll be details in the show notes um, on how to contact her if you are in the midst of needing some help. I have a weird question for you. So mediation in your field only revolves around divorce, correct? Um, typically, but not always. Um, so sometimes there is um, family mediation, so inter-family dynamics, parent-teen stuff, blended family stuff. Um, the majority of what I do, though, is um, divorce, but that's not all. <laughs> okay, so that's good to know. So that's, if you that's have a whole other that's a whole other <laughs> show. <laughs> so if you have some questions around mediation and you need, I'm telling you, there's something to be said about a an impartial. <sighs> so good because there's no emotional attachment, right? And that's where we get crazy. Um, yeah, if you need that, Susan is wonderful. I can highly attest. <laughs> Thank you. All right, Susan, have an absolutely amazing day. Thanks again for being on the podcast. Of course. Thanks, Brandy. Now, beautiful peeps, if you are looking for guidance, if you are finding yourself lost, overwhelmed, spinning in circles, really struggling in your life, come to fear ghosts. 
there is nothing in this world that prevents us from succeeding but ourselves. Nothing. And no matter the content I bring you or anyone else brings you or that you seek out will actually stick until you clear those beliefs. Our internal world is shaping our external world. So this morning I had a fascinating experience with writing, meditation, um, and what came out of that. And the book is coming. The book is called It's All About You, Baby. How to Live Your Authentic Truth, Your Authentic Self in an Inauthentic World. We are plagued with so many conditions. Plagued. And we have all the tools we need and all the strength and all the guidance and all the wisdom and all the information we could possibly dream up and more at our fingertips. It's up to us to open them. It's up to us to open them. And I can't wait to give you all you need to be able to do it all yourself. (laughs) It sounds so funny, right? So I am joyfully writing the book. It's all about you, baby. And I've set up a Patreon account for both the podcast and the book. I would love for some of you to come on board and sponsor this movement. Because what I've recognized is this, the things we put out into the world are what we're receiving. If I keep putting out playing small, I play small. I have to go big and that requires a lot of courage and part of that courage is asking. So I'm going to ask for help where I need it. I, I would very much be grateful in accepting the gift of sponsorship through anyone who would like to do that. I've set up the Patreon account under Fear It Goes. And anybody who comes on and sponsors the podcast um, will receive a book when it's done. So if you're a consistent sponsor, you will receive a copy of the book signed by me personally. And I, I very much look forward to giving you that gift. Because what's coming in that book will blow your mind. It's blown mine. (laughs) And I can't wait to give it. Next week's podcast is a massive insight I had that concluded this morning. So I cannot wait to give you what's coming. And it's one of my mm, vulnerable moments I really don't like sharing. None of us do. None of us want to share these moments. But I'm really glad I am because it should give you something to help you move yourself. Until next week, my beautiful souls, have an absolutely extraordinary week. (laughs) 